Today on Blue 58, the Packers presumably are done picking up noteworthy players, but should they be? Maybe not. Let's take a look at some free agents who might be able to help. Or maybe we'll just steal some from another team. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast at thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. Got some good things to talk about today, mostly hypothetical, and how much of it is really going to pan out? Probably None of it, but that's what the offseason is for. So the Packers are basically done as far as putting their roster together for this season, at least the early part of their roster. Brian Gutekunst has shown his tendency to continue to churn his roster as the offseason continues, as training camp gets underway, as the season goes on. You get the point. He's always looking for players. So with free agency being all but officially over, could he still be interested in shopping a little bit? Because there are some interesting names out there. The Packers are roughly $8.5 million under the cap this year. Kenny Clark's extension, whenever that comes, probably sooner than later, is going to eat up some of that. Potentially all of it. But let's pretend that it won't. And chances are, if the Packers sign any free agents, they're going to be players who won't take up much of that money or, you know, more than half of it at any rate. Probably not any more than 3 to $4 million. So, that rules out guys like Jadavion Clowney. But other than that, there's still a pretty good pool of players that the Packers could be picking from. And I think there are three guys that the Packers should at least consider. Starting with somebody who should be a fairly familiar name for Packers fans, Everson Griffin. Yes, he's on the wrong side of 30, Yes, he's been a little bit on the downslope of his career the past couple of years, but he's still been a pretty formidable player. The Packers, I think, could use another defensive lineman, and though Griffin has apparently been talking of some sort of reunion with the Vikings, he's still out there. And even if he wasn't, like I said, the player he once was over the past couple of seasons, he still had eight sacks last year. He also played 78% of the snaps for the Vikings last year, which seems high even though he did miss a game. In Green Bay, he wouldn't have to eat up a lot of the snaps. They've got Kenny Clark. They've got Dean Lowry. They've got Zadarius Smith, who drops down and plays a little defensive line type stuff now and then. They've got Rashawn Gary, who's going to do some similar things. Griffin wouldn't have to be out there for run-stopping downs, or at least not all of them. And I think if you look into your mind's eye and picture a defensive line group on third downs featuring just two players... Kenny Clark and Everson Griffin, you can really start to talk yourself into a situation like that. You could bump Griffin out to end in that situation, not an interior rusher. Rush Zedaria Smith on the inside, rush Rashawn Gary on the inside. Heck, get really crazy. Put Clark and Everson Griffin on the end and rush Rashawn Gary and Zedaria Smith both from the inside. Get really weird. Who cares? The point is, signing a guy like Everson Griffin would give the Packers more flexibility on the defensive line. And that's never a bad thing. It would at least give them more pass rushing juice than Dean Lowry or Tyler Lancaster seem to be able to provide as much as I like a guy like Dean Lowry. But imagine that Everson Griffin is too old for you. Imagine you just say, nah, that's just not going to do it for me. Well, there's another name floating around out there. That would be Tim Jernigan. He is 27 years old, not on the wrong side of 30, and he did have a free agent deal in place with the Houston Texans, but it's fallen through, at least for now. He also has some connections to Packers personnel man Milt Hendrickson from his time in Baltimore, and he kind of offers the same sort of deal as Everson Griffin. You have those two defensive linemen in there together, 
cause a little havoc. Give yourself some room to move around with Zadarius Smith. Do some things up front, and you get a little bit more pass rushing juice than you would have with a guy like Dean Lowry. It's at least something to think about. Now, the offensive side of things is more or less picked over. Uh, the The offensive free agents out there basically come down to thirty six year old Vernon Davis, a few offensive linemen who are have either been hurt or are likely to be hurt because they're old. There's not a lot out there. And you understand why, because if you're a playmaker, you tend to get scooped up pretty quickly. But wide receiver Taylor Gabriel is still out there. And I think he's worth considering for the Packers. The Bears apparently have decided that they only want to have tight ends out on the field on offense. That's fine. That's an interesting approach. Not the approach that I would go with or most teams in the NFL would go with, but that's what the Chicago Bears are doing. Gabriel was a tad on the expensive side. Also not a tight end, also only five foot seven, so probably wouldn't be that great of a tight end anyway. Gabriel was heading into the third year of a four-year $24 million deal, and after a season in which he only had 29 catches, you can see why they decided to go in a different direction. Part of the reason that he only had 29 catches was because he didn't have anybody really throwing him the ball, at least not anybody who could actually get it to him. He had 29 catches, sure, but he only had 49 targets. And of those 49 targets, Sports Information Solutions only deemed 36 of those targets as catchable balls. It's not like he was just overwhelmed with good opportunities coming his way. Adding Taylor Gabriel would give the Packers a little bit more speed at wide receiver. It would help them diversify their wide receiver attack. Add in five foot seven Taylor Gabriel to your room full of trees that they currently have at wide receiver is a little bit of a change up. He could provide kind of the wide receiver version of whatever Tyler Irvin is in the Packers offense. Does a little bit of slot receiver work, does a little bit of stuff out of the backfield. He can add some vertical speed. I think just diversifying the offense that way would be a good move. And given that even with the addition of great athlete A.J. Dillon, the Packers still don't have an overwhelming amount of speed on the field on offense, adding a guy who even is not as fast as he once was would be a step in the right direction, and a pretty fast one. So those are three free agents I think the Packers should consider. Are those dumb ideas? Is there someone else you'd like to see them consider? Let me know. I'd love to hear about it. We can uh, we can talk about more potential free agents in the days and weeks to come. Second topic I wanted to talk about today comes from an interesting article concept from our friends over at Lombardi Avenue. They've posited an interesting concept about stealing players from other team. Writer Jesse Fry posted this about three days ago. What if you could build up the Packers roster by stealing players from elsewhere in the NFC North? I thought this was a quick and interesting concept we could talk about. Uh, just as a sort of lighthearted thing. And it's a good way, I think, to, to remind yourself that there are good players elsewhere around the NFL as well. So, just restricting it to the NFC North, who would you take? I've got one player from each team here. Let's start with the Chicago Bears. If I am picking from the Bears roster... Khalil Mack is awful tempting, but the Packers already have Zedaria Smith and Preston Smith. Where do you put him? Probably ahead of Preston Smith. But if you're viewing the Packers as set at edge rusher, what else do you do? 
They were interested in Kyle Fuller in the past, but I feel pretty confident with the corners the Packers have. Though that is a direction you could go. Allen Robinson is there too. The Packers pursued him a couple years ago and came up empty. Maybe you add him to the group. But no, I'm sticking on the defensive line. Two of my three free agents were on the defensive line already. Let's steal one from the Chicago Bears. I would like to take Akeem Hicks off their hands. Just a big, nasty, mean defensive tackle in the best possible way. Please do not hurt me, Akeem Hicks. Production ratio is that number we use to to measure a a defensive lineman or edge rusher's impact kind of on a game-by-game basis. How's this for you? Just as a defensive tackle, rushing strictly as an interior rusher. Here's a production ratio of 1.12 during his time with the Bears. Yes, he missed a few games last year. Yes, he is on the older side of things. I don't care. I want to line him up next to Kenny Clark and really get after some teams in the interior of their offensive line. Let's do it. Sticking on defense, if I'm heading over to Minnesota and stealing a player from them, as tempted as I am about Harrison Smith, I think I would take Eric Kendricks. He is just about a perfect modern inside linebacker. You want him to play against the run, he does that and does it pretty well. 23 tackles for a yard or less on run plays last year, tops on the Minnesota Vikings. You want him to cover, he does that pretty darn well too. He allowed just 32 completions on 60 targets last year. Passer rating against him was just 82.8. Those are defensive back safety type numbers. He can do it all. He's a good athlete. And it's worth remembering the Packers could have had him in 2015, but they took Demarius Randall instead. Set as they were at inside linebacker. It's kind of funny. I was thinking about this exercise And I realized maybe I'm finally over Harrison Smith. Because the opportunity to take him means that you're taking either Darnell Savage or Adrian Amos off the field. And he is probably better than both of those guys. But I just feel pretty good about the Packers safety group. For a long time, I have coveted Harrison Smith ever since, uh, well, we got a year into the Nick Perry experience. And it became obvious that they made a mistake taking him one slot ahead of Harrison Smith. Um but now I think I'm ready to, to put that behind me. I think I would take Eric Kendricks over Smith on the Packers defense. Maybe that's incorrect, but um, this is my hypothetical theft of opposing players. If there's a different direction you want to go, that's fine. Finally, from the Detroit Lions, I would steal wide receiver Kenny Galladay. Galladay would be the perfect complement, I think, to Devontae Adams. And if you stack them up next to each other, just statistically, you see why. Galladay has 163 catches for just over 27 yard, 2,700 yards and 19 touchdowns over the past three seasons. Those are really solid, like number two option on a great team numbers. Devontae Adams in the same span has 268 catches for 3,200 yards and 28 touchdowns. Not too bad, Mr. Adams. He's also missed quite a few more games than Kenny Galladay. I think you could slide him, slot him in nicely as a nice big deep threat next to Devontae Adams. And oh yes, the Packers had the opportunity to do this already. Kenny Galladay was taken just a handful of spots after they took Montrevious Adams in the third round in 2017. Oh well. You should check out the entire original article from Lombardi Avenue. I have linked it in your show notes. Got to give them some credit for the idea. Take a look there. 
Let's talk special teams. Take your eye off the ball, chapter 11. All about special teams. Three things from this game that I would like, or th- from this chapter rather, that I would like to talk about. Guys that talk or that play almost exclusively special teams, punt returns, and what they can mean for your offense, and surprise onside kicks. Let's start with guys who are exclusively special teamers. Kerwin pointed out that fewer and fewer teams keep guys around who play almost exclusively on special teams, so I wanted to take a look at guys who did basically that for the Packers last year. There were two guys, actually, on last year's Packers who played more than 100 special team snaps, so guys who were around for a while, but never appeared on offense or on defense. Both of them were defensive players, in fact. Well, I should, I should amend that. There were five players. Three of them are ones that you would expect. Hunter Bradley, J.K. Scott, and Mason Crosby. Of course, none of those guys lined up on on offense or defense. But the Packers had two other guys who pulled off the same thing. Ty Summers played 100% of his snaps on special teams last year. Never once made it onto the field on defense, which was a little bit surprising given the Packers' overall state of their inside linebacker position last year and for the last several years, but he never got an opportunity, never showed up one time on special teams. Tremont Smith, likewise, also only played on special teams last year, never once showed up on defense. That one is a little bit more understandable. They had him around exclusively basically to return punts and a few kicks, but mainly punts. They wanted him to return punts, and that's what he did for the Packers last year. There is also one other player who has the less than savory distinction of playing the vast majority of his snaps last year on special teams, and that would be Oren Burks. 81% of all the snaps he played last year were on special teams. It's one thing when seventh round rookie Ty Summers is only playing snaps on special teams. But if you are a former third round pick, who is expected to play a significant role on defense, you should not be playing the vast majority of your snaps on special teams. For whatever reason, Oren Burks couldn't find his way off the special teams units last year. Great for the special teams units. You've got a athletic, good-sized guy who's out there reliably, game in, game out, giving you the sort of special teams exclusive death that Kerwin said is so lacking around the NFL. Bad for the Packers on the whole, I think. You'd prefer your third-round picks be doing what you drafted them in the third round to do, obviously. The second thing that Pat Kerwin pointed out in this chapter that I thought was really worth some additional discussion was the 20-yard punt return. He rightly points out that you shouldn't be so much worried about giving up a a touchdown on a punt return so much as just giving up a bunch of yards. 20 yards is where he draws the line because it was, and I quote, two first downs worth of yardage. thought it was interesting that he drew that number specifically. Why that number? I'll tell you why. I think it's pretty significant. According to Football Outsiders, the average drive in the NFL last year covered 32 yards. 32 yards plus a 20-yard punt return equals 52 yards. And where does 52 yards get you from just about everywhere on the field, either into the end zone 
or into the field goal or in field goal range. If you start no less than 52 yards from the from the goal line, chances are you're going to end up in in pretty good field position when you, your drive finally peters out. That 20 yard return could be the difference between a touchdown though and just a field goal or a field goal and no points at all. So how many 20 yard punt returns did the Packers get last year? As good as Tyler Irvin was, they got exactly zero. Zero 20 yard punt returns. Tyler Irvin's long punt return last year for the Packers was 18 yards, just short of 20, and a heck of a lot better than the numbers they were putting up prior to him coming to Green Bay. But no dice, not 20 yards. In 2018, the Packers had two players return a punt for at least 20 yards. Tremont Williams had a 23-yard return, and Jair Alexander had a 24-yarder. In 2017 and 2016, they had Trevor Davis back returning punts, who, for all of his lack of contributions on offense, was a pretty darn good punt returner at times. Pretty bad punt returner at other times. But he had a 65-yarder that all but won a game for the Packers in 2017. And then in 2016, he had a 55-yarder. Not too bad. I like to think that Tyler Irvin might break a 20-yard return this year. And if and when he does, let's take note and see what the Packers end up doing with that drive. Then finally, Kerwin mentioned the unusual yet sometimes very effective practice of the surprise onside kick. Can you remember any notable surprise onside kicks in recent Packers history? Tried to think of one over the past couple years, couldn't get there, but I do remember one, and I think you might as well. In 2010, Mike McCarthy opened up the Packers game against the New England Patriots on the road in Foxborough with a surprise onside kick. Jordy Nelson recovered. The Packers went on to get a field goal on the opening drive and nearly pulled off the upset with Matt Flynn at quarterback that game. Ultimately, they fell short, but they cashed in thanks to that surprise onside kick. And I think it'd be cool to see another one in 2020. Let's hope we do. I don't know if Sean Menenga is quite as creative enough to get there, but we'll see. Maybe the human thumb will give us a thumbs up to a surprise onside kick. That's all I've got for you on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're only going to have one episode next week. Uh, We're doing a little bit of a staycation in these parts for Father's Day weekend, so Thursday night we will be busy, but uh, we'll be back to full strength the following week. So just an episode uh, next Wednesday. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, I've got some interesting stuff coming in the works too as well on Patreon. Check us out there. I think you'll like uh, some of the stuff that is is going on in that neck of the woods. Um, But... The bottom line, if you want to support the show, go ahead and share this episode with somebody you think might benefit from it, because that's going to help us continue this conversation around the Packers, help us grow the tent here, and ultimately help all of us continue to become smarter Packers fans. Because as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.